0: What is Peace Brain? Peace Brain is the synergistic connection between our mental and emotional bodies, blending the electrical power of the mind with the magnetic force of the heart. Listen and explore how to create unity worldwide as we blend science and metaphysics and open our hearts and minds to the possibilities of peace on Earth and create the life we are each destined for. Featured guests range from angel communicators to zoologists, and everything in between. Now here is your host, Dr. Gail Lash.
1: Hello and welcome to the Peace Brain Show. This is your host, Dr. Gail Lash. So happy to have you here today. Oh, my goodness. So today I, we are going to be talking about animal communication and how to really tune into nature around you. I know all of you who are sequestered in your homes or, <laughs> or being quiet through COVID need to have things to do. And so here we're going to learn about how to just look outside your window, how to take a walk in the path around your house or down your neighborhood or to the store, or maybe into the wonderful woods or lakes nearby, and tune into nature, really tune into that heart space where you can communicate with the animals around you, and obviously the plants as well. So I have a guest today, and we're gonna be talking with her about how to do that and just stories of experiences. So please tune in for that. Also, I open the show with a quote, and then at the end of the show, the last five, 10 minutes, I do a peace-brain meditation, so please stay tuned for that. It will be wonderful and transformative, so tune in for that. All right, so the quote I picked today is, "It's I love the way the universe works. Um, I definitely believe in synchronicity, that everything is here for a reason. And I have this wonderful bag of quotes, if you will, that I choose from. And this is the first one that came into my scrutiny and, and caught my eye, It's actually from Steve Rother and his wife, Barbara. He channels something called the group. And this is one of the six precepts that he put together. This is the fifth precept, which honors the flow of energy. And Steve and the group presented this at the United Nations on March 22, 2002, in New York City. So this was actually said before the United Nations. It's, it's kind of a long quote, but here you go. The fifth precept, honor the flow of energy. The fifth precept is an important one, for it is the flow of energy. The fifth precept is all about how energy moves around you. So often you have seen energy, and you have put yourself in the energy flow, thinking that you could collect energy, thinking that you could grab it and that it would become part of you and add to you. Well, we tell you, it does not work that way. Much of what you experience is a lack of ab- as a lack of abundance is only because you see energy as coming into you and you have tried to increase the flow of energy into you so that you would have an abundance of energy. And we tell you, It is not necessary to do that. It is more helpful to adopt the attitude of flow rather than an expectation of receiving. See yourself as the dolphin, for the dolphin has such a sleek design that it can swim through the murkiest of waters and nothing sticks to it. The dolphin is probably one of the most abundant creatures that you have on planet Earth. For it has everything in every moment, and has to carry nothing with it. It also knows how to have fun. As it dances from here to there, if it finds something that it detracts from it, it simply moves elsewhere and finds more of the passion. Allow yourself to go through the energy effortlessly, knowing that all energy is temporal. As it moves through you, allow the energy to become part of you only momentarily as you allow it to flow through you. If you allow this flow through, you will adopt an attitude of dancing through life joyously and you will see that in the higher vibrations it is much easier to simply allow yourself to flow through the energy. The moment you take responsibility for someone else's energy. That energy sticks to you. It becomes a part of you, and you must now either release it or change it in some fashion. That has caused much difficulty on your planet. You are responsible only for yourself and your flow through life. As you start taking that attitude, even your own world leaders will begin understanding that they do not have the power that they thought they have. In the days of the days of Mu will return, and the world leaders will become the trusted servants that they were originally designed to be. At that time they will accurately reflect the collective hearts of all of humanity. That time, dear ones, is closer than you think. That is part of the reason while you are seeing so many of your world leaders take notice. At this present time, you often hear them say, This is right, and that is wrong. This is good, and this is evil. Please understand that as they collect more information, they will be allowed to use it in a more productive way. So that is the quote from Steve Rother and the group. Uh, All about being in the flow. And really, what I got out of this, one thing I really liked about it, is take responsibility for oneself only. (laughs) You know, don't take responsibility for others. Because then the energy sticks to you. And so we need to let the energy flow through us. I know one of my teachers once talked about being a body of glass. That was an energy tool or an energy directive that he was talking to us about. And being this body of glass is kind of like a window pane, where you allow the sunlight to flow through the glass, and it doesn't stick. Sunlight doesn't stick to the window, it flows through the window. So that was the visual I got when I read this quote about allowing the energy to flow through you, and having that constant abundance that we're always looking for. So today, I'm sure Laura and I will be talking about the flow of energy. (laughs) My guest is Laura Marjorie Miller, and she is a professional animal communicator who, through her consultancy, Oh Best Beloved Animal Communication, that's the name of her company, Oh Best Beloved Animal Communication, she helps families as well as zoos and sanctuaries support the emotional well-being of the animals in their care. For private families, Laura brings multiple family members together to include the unique relationships that they all have with an animal to make the results even more positive and lasting. For sanctuaries, Laura can offer them the animal's experiences in order to help the institutions offer the highest quality of responsive caretaking that's possible. She has consulted with sanctuaries in South Africa, Liberia, and the United States with an emphasis on primates. (laughs) Laura empowers her human clients with animal communication techniques so that they can have evolving relationships with their animals and reclaim their own innate intuitive abilities. Her vision is to help normalize animal communication, to foster a kinder, more peaceful world for human people and animals. She is certified as a professional practitioner through the Animal Talk Africa program, and her email is Laura, L A U R A, at O Best Beloved Animal Communication dot com. That's just the letter O, and then B E S T B E L O V E D, and then Animal, A N I. M A L Communication, C O M M U N I C A T I O N.com, and her Instagram and her Twitter are O Best Beloved A C, that's O B E S T B E L O V E D A C. Okay. So, Laura, welcome to the Peace Friends Show.
0: Thank you so much, Gail. I'm, I'm really excited to get to chat with you
1: today and see where we go in the flow. Uh, yes, absolutely, in the flow. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm really excited about that too. Oh my, um, there's lots to talk about and I guess I would say, well first of all, you, you were describing to me before we got on this radio show that you went for a walk today and you saw lots of wonderful things in nature, so I'd love for you to talk to our listeners about that because that's exactly what we can do in these days when we're kind of hanging around our own family and our own our own property just to go out and and explore nature so please share with us
0: yeah Yeah, well um i've always enjoyed going into nature and sort of as an aside, it amused me that, you know, a couple of years ago when people started using the term forest bathing, sort yes. of, to legitimize wanting to go into the forest, like you had to have something to call it. And I was like, is that what people, I've always just called it faffing around in the forest. <laughs> um, so, but to do it in a more regulated way, especially when we had the corona quarantine, I made it a point, especially when it was in the colder part of the year. That I would do like a daily, what I called at the time, sunshine walk to make sure I got vitamin D and I got exercise. Um, So I still I still do that, and now I've um, relocated to so at least an hour, you know, to make sure I don't have a roof over my head and I just have like open sky or trees
1: for an hour,
0: you know, if it's not freezing cold. So I went out this morning and it was around. You know, I my nieces were coming over to the house, um, and I had I had some time before they got here, and I knew I had to do my walk before they came, or else it would be way in the afternoon. So I went. Um, it was just past dawn, and I live in Southern Illinois, which is where I grew up and recently relocated to. And this area is very much um, in and out of the Shawnee National Forest, so it has, I would say, as many deer as most people think of as having, like, squirrels or rabbits. <laughs> 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 really, like, there's that, like, deer around, so... Um, and when you leave the house at night, but you know
1: if you go somewhere, you, people always say watch for deer because that's like
0: how many deer are around. So I saw this morning, um, just at the edge of my family's property, six deer in a family group. And mm-hmm. then I went, um, and then I went out into the country road and I saw fifteen deer oh stretched out from <laughs> one field into the other side of the road and when they saw me coming when I got close enough because they're herd animals so, you know, they're smart if they run away especially here because there's a lot of deer hunting here so um, I was not offended <laughs> running from me and they, so anyway, I, they went bounding across the road and I could hear their hooves clicking on the concrete of the road which was really cool to hear um, and then Uh, I saw a group of nine wild turkeys because they tend to be in a big family group, too. So uh, it was a really spectacular walk and a good time, I guess, to take one. Um, But, yeah, so to go into really the grounding effects of, I mean, there's so many reasons why to do it, and especially now, you know, we're so less. Blasted and by necessity to you know social media, realizing that and people have different um, different outlooks on how much how much news to hook yourself into or whether to you know how to regulate that. But it's good to remember that um, this human world, the virtual world, and especially the news is sort of you know meant to keep you on a cycle of you know, basically cortisol addiction because it gets you stressed out and it gets you amped up and, you know, basically wants to make you crazy in that sort of way. And, you know, how much information you need to know about the choices to make as part of human society is one thing, but to, you know, to always balance that just for your health as an organism, as a body, into you know being in the in the you know real real world um the world of you know the world of nature and animals as much as that's available to you depending on where you live because we are a body and we are an organism and we're not just a head and a brain um you know processing communicate that kind of communication information and something that i you know that i Teach is that you know almost it's it's sort of counterintuitive to think the more I get into my body and into my other senses, the more the more um, sensitive I'm going to be and more intuitive, you know, especially with animals because you know they're not they're very much in their whole array of senses all the time. So the more that we can do, including senses that we don't have names for and that we don't experience or, or have lost our ability to access, um, you know, the more we can be in our sense body and even beyond our eyes into the other senses, the more we can understand what their world is like. And so when there's something that they're you know, if we're doing communication with them, listening to them, then we'll be more open to what they have to say.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes. That was like a rampaging flow
1: of information. It's good. It's all good. I agree with you that it seems counterintuitive that our answers are in the physical body, but they really are. We are so we're so used to, or I was trained, so used to being in my mind, in my analytics and thinking, particularly for school and things like that, that that we forget that it's the emotional body, it's the and the physical body that really has the wisdom. Um, yeah. I know that when I tune into angels and to spirits and things like that, and, and some of my teachers have also talked about this that the angels say, you know, you humans are the ones who have the body. You're the ones who can make the difference on the planet. I mean, we're we're here holding space and sending love to you and, and working with you when you ask for it. But it's truly only you physical beings that can change the planet and make it a better place of peace. So it's tuning into those physical, as you just described, um, intuitive abilities and those, the way that animals are communicating is through that pictures or through that heart or through these telepathic and, and, if you will, I'll call it emotional, but you know, that energy flow we were talking about earlier is really, they pick up on the energy. And, and when we can tune into that, we're much more than aligned with the natural world itself. Yeah, that's a good. That's a
0: really good way of expressing it. And um, my, I mean, my mentor, and I've heard it expressed by other. Winter Worsthorn, who we know through the Cat Acad- Animal Talk Africa um, Academy, is you know, when, and I've heard other communicators talk about it too. And I've experienced it in that feeling of when the communication comes on, you often get this like, it's it's in your heart you feel like this you know surge um, like this flowering open almost of like a, a galaxy or a current right in the zone of your heart and you know that's not for people to beat up on themselves if they don't feel that or feel like oh I have to have that every time or somehow my communication isn't valid but that's a, that's a good signifier that it's on and it's very different. To that buzzy feeling of thoughts in the front of your head, it's this boom, and it's like you you in that surge that is below the neck, and um, yeah, so it's an emotional body, and then you know going down through all the sort of levels of causality, you know, into just the level of your heart as a spirit, you know. Um, your sort of central location on this plane anyway. (laughs)
1: Exactly, exactly. So let's, Laura, let's talk about this. Um, Yeah. You have, you have, you are an professional animal communicator. First of all, what is that? Let's tell our audience about that. (laughs) Okay. I
0: am an, okay, so the, okay, animal communicator, there are different kinds of animal communicators, so I will, be specific for what I do. I do um, intuitive sessions where I sit and do a communication where I go into a meditative state. I guess that's or you know it's it's a it's a altered state that comes sort of through some meditative um, protocols that I go through to you know help me. And then what I do is I will do session, you know, say if I'm doing a session or a communication, I will keep that channel open and write down what I get from the animal um, during that time. So if there, if I have particular areas of inquiry from uh, the human client, then I will pursue those areas. I write down impressions. um Different animals communicate in different, you know, stuff. Some are much more, you know, conversational. Some kind of come across in, like, blasts of information of visuals or, you know, um, like a a flash of, like, a word that just arrived in your mind. Things like that. And then I'll pursue those those lines. Um, So that's what a session looks like. As I started as a communicator, um, so to go sort of using that as the point to expand out from, I'd always had through my life, you know, kind of intuitive flashes and a sympathy for animals. But, in, you know, I realized when I wanted to say I want to become a, an animal communicator that that's what I want to be as my uh as my vocation or my path or my career, what I offer, I wanted to train those channels and so they were reliable. So when I did my training and I chose the Animal Talk Africa Academy because I had been paying attention to it for a while, I was like, that's a good, you know, I trust Winter. I know she's going to train me right. Right because I wanted to be able to call upon those paths and not just have them come in as sort of random blasts you know right. like you get a like you'll have this moment you'll get a hit but you don't know is that something that just happened is it an accident or is it something that I can rely upon like you do for anything um, that you would be a professional at or pursue so then what I did was I was like I want to be really rigorously trained in this so that I can be of the highest service that I
1: can be. So I went through the professional um, practitioner
0: certification to make sure that I had done, you know, the whole portfolio of case studies and had them reviewed. And to be professional at it means obviously that that's what I do for my business right. and, and that I do it for clients and that I can count on my um, my training and trust in myself um, and trust in my training and, and trust in the method and also just trust that this is something that is real and a reliable thing to do that I can do that for other people um, but part of but saying that part of you know what I what I desire to do through Oh, Best Beloved is also to train clients how to do it for themselves. So it's part of how I do um, how I would do a consult because you know I I don't want people to always feel like they have to rely on an external you know animal communicator who has some sort of special powers. <laughs> to realize that everybody has these powers, and where you know they've become um, atrophied, but that there's something that we can that we can retrain, and that we can call upon, and that can improve our relationship with our animals in our lives. So um, yeah, so that's the professional aspect of it.
1: Um, okay, but fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I have a question. Did you? So as you're walking in the morning, this morning, for example, did you communicate with any of those animals that you shared with us earlier? I...
0: I, Not in the sort of deep way that I do when I do a deep dive session. I think I'm always... You know, with them, it's, it's like you just see people and... Or see people, see animal people, and you just have a sense of respect and you have a sense of just deep appreciation for them. Got it. And it can be as like you know, just to say you're like respectful and and joyful, and that sometimes that's all you know. That's all you need. Yeah. Because it's like if I see turkeys, I'm like, oh look, it's just like I mean, it'd be like seeing a family, like a human family, out having a picnic, right? Because they were sort of on this on the bank of a pond that I passed and you know what would you would kind of like wave and say hey
1: <laughs> yeah you were saying hello exactly
0: yeah you just say hello and you and you realize too, through the respect of that you know like respecting where the deer are coming from so you say okay i know they're they're herd animals so they're it's in their nature to like run and flat you know flash their tails and that you know they're going to know they're going to do that you know i don't it, and then, like, I don't expect to, like, go up to them, and I'm, like, Snow White, and they all come up to me. <laughs> Although I think, you know, many of us still have that. <laughs> you know, that would be so nice. But just to say, okay, I'm going to get to a certain range of distance, and they're going to take off. And and that's part of the loveliness of, of deer. And um, and so you just are kind of in this state of of... Yeah, it's, I don't even know if it's like a. You see them as much as you see the humans around you, I guess.
1: Got it. No, thank you. That's, it. I understand. And and that makes sense. You're just walking and saying hello and giving them respect and and tuning into the beauty that they are and that you've encountered yeah. them. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and it's like, I, in that state, you know, um, the world becomes a lot more populated. <laughs> It's true. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you see like all of these points of view and all of these beings around you and, you know, going about their business and how, you know, how amazingly cool they are. One of my favorite um, things or moments, sort of moments of of awareness is when you're looking at, it's it's sort of in the high summer or any time when there's a lot of flowering plants and you look at a patch of flowering plants, and at very first glance, you, you it kind of seems very still, like it's just a bunch of plants, almost like a still life. And then if you hold still for just a moment, then you start to see all of the activity that's taking place in those plants, from the bumblebees to the smaller kind of bees to, you know, the tiny butterflies and you start you realize like this is like a city <laughs> especially in the morning you know when like the the lights coming up and you're like everyone's going to work yes and that's it's really like <laughs> it's like watching a city street wake up and go to work and you're like wow, well, everyone's in there working and you know foraging getting food um, you can see like the, you know, the predator insects sort of hanging out underneath a leaf. There's so much going on, and one of my, um, one of my favorite quotations that's about animal communication is from, uh, it's the Voyage of Dr. Doolittle, so I believe it's the second Dr. Doolittle book, and the young boy uh, who's his apprentice is having a conversation with uh, Polynesia, the parrot, and he's asking, you know, like, because Dr. Doolittle, what's cool about Dr. Doolittle is that he didn't innately come with this ability, like, he, he trained himself how to talk to animals and hear animals. And so the... Uh, the apprentice is talking to Polynesia and he's, and they're having a conversation about this. And one thing Polynesia says is she goes, you need to be a good noticer.
1: Mm, I like that. And
0: yeah, this, um, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful like exchange and to sit, you know, and to be a good noticer, like to stop, I mean, instead of going hurtling by a patch of flowering plants, if you stop just long enough off of your human track and just notice what's happening, it's so, it, it, it like grounds you in, and it's, it's funny because it's like grounding and spirit illuminating at the same time. And how much how much is going on in the world that's so rich and so outside of our human human trip um and I and I think for people you know who need that kind of moment to just get off the track for a moment and um how you know beneficial and sanctifying that is to see you know the animals doing their thing um and not necessarily to clamor after them and be like what's in it for me? Like, affirm me. <laughs> like, affirm me. Land on me like I'm Snow White. But just, you know, it's sometimes they engage you and sometimes they don't, and that's okay. You can just be in
1: admiration and awe of them. Exactly. I, I like that the best. You painted a really beautiful picture, and I love where you said, be a noticer. You know, be the observer. It's we get so caught up, as you said, in our human drama, our human daily lives, and things to do, and that's the one value I think of these times right now with the pandemic is is those values are being questioned and being uh, available to you know if we stop and notice our own lives, observe our own lives, and what's really important, it's very much like going out into nature and then noticing what's really happening out here that it's not related to me and my life it just notice what nature is doing all by herself <laughs> and that, that obviously does affect humans in the long run of course as well but I love that so um, let's go back to your human clients for a moment when you, when you have a human client obviously you're not just being the noticer or the observer as you would walk through nature you are specifically tuning in to questions as you said that your human client would come with you and so for example Um, I had sent you yesterday, and I know you haven't had a chance to look at her. Uh, And we may not work with this animal at the moment, but I'm sure everyone looks on their Facebook or their social media uh, and finds that there's dogs to be rescued. And there was one dog that I noticed yesterday on Facebook that really just plucked at my heartstrings. And I thought, gosh, am I really meant to maybe give this dog a foster home for a while? Or... Uh, she would be an outside dog. I I have three dogs that are inside dogs, even though they go outside occasionally, but they're really indoors, and they don't like other dogs. <laughs> so, you know, this this dog would be, I would think, temporary. However, I was, you know, I was wondering, and I'm sure most people who look at these dogs um, who are online go, gee, what can I do to help the animals? Um, you know, we're, we're drawn to them. So if... If we were to do a session, for example, with this dog, I would ask you specifically, Laura, I think, does this dog, first of all, would she be a good addition to our family, to our, yeah. to our pack? And what are her plans? What does she want you know, to do with her life? And is she going to like, and I'd name my other specific dogs and come up with that? And then is, yeah. she, is she healthy? You know, I wouldn't want to bring any disease, obviously, into my my pack. Um, even though the vets are saying she's healthy, you could look at that and see what her health is like. Um, and she's a street dog, so you know she's been rescued and made healthy since she was taken off the street. But um, but I have all those types of questions. So just describe a little bit about for the people listening. What that would entail for you to answer those types of questions if we were to, you know, have that kind of a session. Okay, so um, I would have you send me a photograph of her,
0: and I would, I, probably photographs of your other dogs, too. Right, right. Um, and if we did a, for us to do a, con, like, a initial consult call where we would talk about it, it would be even even more awesome if your husband was on the call too because um, so, I could hear I could hear it from both of you and because' I mean, or, or whoever else is in the family because it's a big deal you know bringing in a family member and um, so we could talk you know have our initial conversation with everyone there right. Who, right who wants to be there and then I would schedule a time that I would do the intuitive session, which I always describe as being the quote off stage where I'm, you know, I would do that in my own time. I usually work in the really early morning when it's much quieter, it's still coming coming out of the darkness and there are fewer human, I guess there's less human activity, you know, cars on the street, stuff like that. And I would do a deep sit and if I, you know, I would do at least one good long you know, good long session, and if I felt like I needed to do another session, you know, another, another, you know, one of those sits, I would, you know, do a follow up maybe the following morning just to make sure that I got. If I felt like there was more that I needed, mm-hmm. and then what I would do, so in, the, and then I would come back to you, and I would say, here's my, and I'll talk about the session in a minute, and sort of what happens there, but I would come back to you and I say, here's the information I got, and what you do is you take that into your decision-making process and if stuff you know feels if it feels right to you then you can follow up with it so I'm giving you added information um, about you know some dynamic or something that the animal you know is concerned about or something like that so in the actual session I mean, if someone were to take a picture of me working, it is like the least exciting thing in the world. It was like me sitting there in my pajamas with um, my notebook on my lap and the computer open sort of with a glow coming up on my face because it's usually kind of, you know, dark, dark darkish in the room with maybe like one reading light on of looking at the picture of the animal. In question. And so I, we do, a lot, so add as a note to people who are
1: curious about this, uh, many communicators, and I am one of them, work remotely.
0: So because it's an intuitive process, we can do it from anywhere on the planet, which is why I was able to work with people in like people in chips in Liberia, right. bathrooms in South Africa during the pandemic. Um, so, and then I would, you know, so then I. Within the session, so I would open up, I have a few um, protocols that I do uh, that bring me into that state, and then I sit, I sit with them for, and I write down my impressions, and then I come into asking the questions. Got it. And, and then I will ask, and so...
1: I don't. I don't speak out loud, in case people are wondering this.
0: Although I have laughed out loud, and sometimes I will like spontaneously say something. I mean, just you know that I had a really sweet uh, client who is a little dog who who I don't want to say thought he was a wolf because that seems like it's disparaging his experience. But like to himself, he is a wolf. Right. <laughs> and so we had this. Uh, it was the most hilarious back and forth where he would sit, he would say like, you know, he was peeing inside and I, he was like, I pee on, on everything because I am a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, you you pee purposefully, you know, on things and because wolves have a purpose for what they do. And he goes, explain.
1: <laughs> oh, how funny. So <laughs>
0: it was like, it, like, that happened like three times. And so we everything was in that particular communication was basically like a play dialogue where it was like me and him and me and him and I would, you know, I would think, I would you know think isn't even the right, but I would like say, think something to him you know, and then he would like send me a blast back and it was hilarious and then I would respond to it and I was laughing out loud for that because it was so joyful <laughs> and it was great. So, so and it really depends on, the, you know, on the animal, like what that, you know, um, how much I'm vocal about it. Right. Right. Generally, yeah. Generally, it's silent, and then I right. would come back to the client, and then I would, you know, oh, I do my cl- sort of closing protocols, which is you, you gently. I want to say break is too um, too harsh a word, but you gently separate out and seal off the sort of the sphere around yourself and the sphere around them, so that that way you're not continuing. It doesn't the channel doesn't just sort of stay open to where you're affecting them with your you know nuttiness right. and, and and if they've had a something. You know, if they've had a trauma or something like that, you, you know, you're not picking up on that and just, oh, like, riding that into your circuitry, because sometimes animals can have really, you know, they've, they can have had really intense experiences, and you can, if you
1: don't completely, um, if you're not really hygienic about
0: that, you know, you can get farther into the day and be like, oh my God, why do I feel so false? awful and sad and I can't even really say why exactly it could have but but one more thing about the intuitive flash of you know seeing an animal on Facebook or whatever I always um I knew this is this is sort of grounded in my experience of uh, back in 2015 I went on an ayahuasca retreat um down in Peru and so I was there for a good week doing journeys. And one thing I realized is how much um, plants have going on. And so I, re- from that I realized whenever you're in a store and you suddenly you're just like in a grocery store that has plants and you're like, Oh, I'm just going to randomly walk over and look at the plants on this, some random day. And then you're like, Oh no, I really want you to come home with me little Ivy. That's, not accidental, <laughs> <laughs> right? That's not an accident that you just just kind of mosey over to the plants so that you never go over there, and you just are like, "Oh, I'm gonna look over at these." That's not an accident. So
1: <laughs> I agree. Um, I agree. Yeah, we have so to, it's sort of the same with that with the animals. Too. Yeah, we have to pay attention to our intuition. Absolutely, that it's so important to not discount those feelings and those. Those ah ahas are the little questions that come up. Absolutely. And that's what really getting in touch with ourselves, why when you teach the client how to do this themselves, it's so important to really know that that's part of it. As we were saying at the very beginning of tuning into our physical feelings and to our heart space, that emotional feeling, because many times we just discount all of that. So before we get too far, because we're getting we're getting close to the end, we're not quite there, but I want to talk a little bit about zoos and aquariums because and sanctuaries. Because yes. as you know, Nevin and I, my husband and I have a company, Ursa International, and we design zoos and aquariums and animal sanctuaries around the world. And so I too work with the zoos and it's important to me to know that I uh, personally I believe that accredited zoos that are really done well which there are many and there are accredited organizations membership organizations in the in the United States and in Africa and in Europe and that when zoos are really doing it right they teach the urban populations about our wild cousins and and it's I think it does have a lot of um, value but so I want to just we've got a few minutes maybe five minutes or so to talk about zoos and your experience there because I know that you and I are considering doing a animal communication class for zookeepers to then talk about these people who are the caretakers of these animals who are already in tune with them but then as you're saying teach your clients to teach them this these tools to really be able to be more precise and understanding of the animals under their care. So share one or two quick experiences about what you've had. Okay, so, um,
0: let's see. So sometimes, let's see, I'm trying to think of how to get into the room room of like everything I want to say. So, um, captivity is, It's intense, and any adjustments that people can make, that humans can make, to make the lives of the animals richer, more emotionally supportive, better, is really worth doing. And, and, you know, animals are so much more than food and quote-unquote enrichment. You know, and because they have backstories, they have emotions, and they do have different perceptions of, say, the same circumstances because they're individuals. Mm-hmm. And and for a you know for a caretaker, even a small adjustment, it could be just something really uh, simple. Like I was working with Prime Crew. Which is in the Limpopo Province. It's a baboon sanctuary, and in South Africa, and working with uh, their director and with you know like she you know I was working with like five baboons and some of the things that the baboons wanted because she was invested in their well being. You know she was like I you know we really want to do absolutely what we can for them considering that you know these are wild baboons who are now in in, you know in a captive environment and so I did you know readings with the baboons and some of the things that the baboons wanted were really pretty simple you know the um, Zach who was a, a visually impaired baboon like he he wanted to have like more, like, a water in his enclosure, like, you know, something to, like, more of a pool or something to splash in. And they brought in... And I was amazed by what Lizanne did because she just, you know, she acted on everything that we talked about really fast. She brought in, like, a big old tire and they converted it into a a pool. And she just, just, like, sits on the edge of this tire and he just splashes, you know, and he loves playing in the water. And that was something that was a really when she wrote me back the follow-up, she's like, that's such a simple thing. It doesn't have to be a big complicated thing. You know, I and I'm, so there was, you know, that kind of adjustment or, you know, um, to understand dynamics, you know, you and I, or like, okay, when I worked with Project <laughs> Chimps, right? you know, some of the dynamics of understanding why certain chimps, you know, Like there was one chimp who, I mean, they were all from labs and there was one, there's one chimp, Rusty, who, you know, he had a history of signing when he was in the lab and he didn't sign anymore. And the caretakers were just like, well, why does he, you know, we just are curious why he doesn't sign with us. And I asked, you know, I I went into that and I always know when the communication is really on and it's really valid because it's something that I wouldn't have invented in my mind. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, but I thought of that, he was just like, it's, you know, it's a lot of work for us to sign because we, you know, our hands aren't really made for that. Are you know, your words were having to go into a whole other frame of reference, not just with words, but in the way that you think, because that's where sign language comes from. And, and he was retired, and he just was like a retired guy. He was like, I don't want this not You know, it wasn't, a big, it wasn't a big drama. It wasn't anything like that, but it gave the caretakers some more information about where he was coming from. You know. Got it. Yep. And so it's really a, it's really a, an awesome way of getting in you know more, um, like okay. Also, there was a um, at Prime Crew. There was a baboon who had been in a really bad zoo situation, basically like an you know in a old crocodile pit in this dead zoo that. Um, was now at the sanctuary and she had a stereotypical behavior of swinging her head from side to side. And so, you know, I, I went into, uh, you know, I asked her Kayla, like why, you know, what, what's going on with that. And she, she said it was something that used to give her relief, you know, when she was in the zoo and, and this is a really bad zoo, Gail. Like this was a bad, bad zoo. I understand. Mm -hmm. And, and, he, you know, she said, it used to give me relief because you're just kind of doing something. And then you just kind of keep doing it when it doesn't even make any sense anymore. But she just wanted to, you know, the sense was to let Luzanne know, I can let, like, at some point I might let go of this behavior, you know. It's just an old habit. Don't be freaked out about it, you know. She sort of described it as when she picked up the behavior that she was looking for a way out. Got and, it. you yeah. know. I Yeah, so, but then she just kind of kept doing it. Like a lot of addictive behaviors or habits that humans have, you know, you keep them past their date of being helpful to you. Right. But that she could drop it whenever she wanted to, but even if she didn't drop it, it wasn't, it, you know, there wasn't a big problem about it. And so, you know, it's really, um, yeah, it's like just, it's more perspective. It's added dimension. What I would encourage keepers and caretakers, I think with a, even with uh, private clients, you kind of have to be willing and open yourself up to hearing a perspective that might require you to make a change, but would you rather not? that somebody was not having as awesome of a time as they could have? Or do you want to have just that moment of vulnerability where you actually listen and and then you can act on what you know and what they've imparted to you? And to say, too, sometimes, and this is on one of my pages, one of my sales pages, like, sometimes all somebody wants is just to be heard.
1: No, we all.
0: (laughs) We all, and it's the same. It's like if you listen to, you know, the the openness and willingness of a human to get off of our human pedestal that we have, like we know how everything is and we know how everything works and just to sit back and say, there might be something here that I could really benefit from knowing and I could help you. I could help that this animal that I, who I care for and, and the animal's, Feel that they appreciate the, the stepping forward of the human client and you know I would even have people give me follow-up um right I have had people give me follow-up just saying, saying like my like just does say like just as a side note you know he's acting so much more cheerful today <laughs> and I've heard that a couple times you know following it following a session And it's not to fix somebody, you know, but it's just, like, how much better do you feel when you know that somebody is ready to let you have your, speak your heart out and hear your experience and then make changes based on that
1: because it's honoring of you. Excellent. So, Laura, I'm going to have to stop you. (laughs) been fantastic, and you've expressed some beautiful messages, so thank you. I would love to do another whole show with you just talking about zoos and sanctuaries. Yes, please. (laughs) I know, because the time has just run really fast. It's run very fast. So I want to let everyone know, first of all, we've been talking with, oh my goodness, Laura Miller, and (laughs) you can find out more about her, Laura Marjorie Miller, at her Instagram, and Twitter, and it's at A C. That's O-B-E-S-T-B-E-L-O-V-E-D-A-C. And so please tune in to Laura and her Instagram and Twitter, and you can find out there about the website she's putting together, and her coaching, her packages for sanctuaries and for family, animal communication. And Laura, it's been a delight to have you on the Peace Plane Show. Thank you for coming today. Oh,
0: Gail, thank you so much.
1: yeah, it's been so fun. Thanks. <laughs> You're very welcome. And we will follow up with a part two, really, because I want to explore the, the zoos and sanctuaries um, as, you know, those are mutual clients with me and you both, and and really what we can do for these animals under human care, both um, not only in, in pet situations and families, but in these larger institutions that are really here to teach the planet how to tune in with the natural world around us. So thank you. Yes, (laughs) thank you, Kale. All right, everyone just take a breath. We're going to do a a quick short um, peace brain meditation. So sit back in your chair and be comfortable. I want you, I'm going to invite you to tune into your heart and that beautiful emotional space that is really in the center of your being where all of this animal communication takes place. And not only animal communication, but energetic communication of everything around you, both the humans around you, the families around you, the buildings and the lights and the sounds and the smells, the the cities around you, and then the natural world. It's all about being in this beautiful sanctuary of your heart. So take a breath. And be in that calm space, for this is really where you stop and you observe, you notice. You go into the quiet, into the silence, into the pause, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) P-A-W-S and (laughs) P-A-U-S-E, into all of that. It's it's the feeling you get when you are petting your, your kitten or you're holding a baby or you're stroking your dog or maybe you're riding your horse. It's that oneness with everything around you. It's that really that stopping and noticing and feeling and open your heart to where you can feel the energy around you. You don't have to take it in. In fact, at the moment, let it just be around you. And as you notice, I would invite you to send the love that you are, for you are this amazing, loving being. You know, many times I think where we get hung up as humans is we don't love ourselves. (laughs) We have to love ourselves because you are a divine light, you are a divine spirit. You're here on the planet for a reason. So feel the love that you are, and know you are perfect just where you are, right at the moment. Feel that radiant joy and love, like a mother would for a child. Feel a time when you have been happy and loved. And when you feel it in your heart, you can then radiate it out to the world. There's a beautiful short prayer that goes, O Son of Spirit, my first counsel is this, possess a pure, kindly, and radiant heart that thine may be a sovereignty, ancient, imperishable, and everlasting. So you are that beautiful radiant heart. And when we walk in this radiance, this beauty, as the, the First Nations in the United States say, you know, I walk in beauty, I walk in this beauty around me, when we walk in that beauty of the heart, we automatically connect, not only with other humans, but also with animals, with the plants, with the wind, the sun, the water, all around us. So take a breath and just feel that beauty, feel that radiant heart that you are. And I invite you to come back here whenever you choose. Maybe when you do take your morning walk in nature or your afternoon or evening walk, or when you're just paying attention to any of the animals that you happen to have in your care, or any of the people that are around you, both at work or in your family. Be in your radiant heart. So, thank you today for ch- tuning into the Peace Brain Show. This is your host, Dr. Gail Latch. And you, again, you can find out more about my guest, Laura Marjorie Miller, at obestbeloved.ac, that stands for animal communication, on her Instagram or Twitter. You can find out more about me at tourismforpeace.com, my website. And so enjoy and tune in to another Peace Brain Show at another time. Namaste. Many blessings. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Namaste. Bye.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Peace Brain Show. You can find us at tourismforpeace.com. Be sure to check out Dr. Gale's Akashic Records readings, her Peace Master Plans for your business or organization, and her book, Hashtag Opt for Peace, Nine Essential Steps to Achieving Peace, Power, and Prosperity. Tune in to BBS Radio, Station One, every other Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific and 9 p.m. Eastern to the Peace Brain Show for your installment of Wonder, inspiration, and practical peace.